Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. But is there a church that says there is life, there is Jesus? Is there that kind of church available in our towns? Yes. Praise God. Even in Melbourne this morning, there's many wonderful churches that are proclaiming the news. There's life. There's not just green leaves. But there is many, many churches who are meeting today who have a, as Timothy says to us, a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. If you look around at churches today, you may see beautiful buildings, uplifting choirs, choreographed programs. Impressive. But it's all just a show if God is nowhere to be found in it. Like a fig tree with gorgeous green leaves and no fruit, a church becomes dead religion if the Spirit is absent from it. The Word is vital to growing that fruit. In learning about the character of God, believers are nurtured to be disciples, living out a picture of Jesus for the world around. A tree that bears fruit draws in the hungry, but a fruitless tree is no good to anyone. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 12. For part one of our message entitled, Nice Leaves But No Fruit. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Remember, as we've been teaching, now this is the last week of the life of Jesus. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. He is headed toward, and you notice there it says the next day, that means the day of Monday. Jesus would go into Jerusalem on these days and then go back at night to the area of Bethany and probably be staying with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We see in this verse something very important, the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was fully God and fully man. That's very hard for us to understand. In fact, we can't really understand that. And we see here that he was hungry. How many of you can identify with Jesus? You missed your breakfast or whatever. And you're saying, is this service over yet? Well, not yet. Jesus was hungry. In a joking way, that's okay. But what it really means is what you just heard with the testimony here. Jesus was tempted and tried and had difficult times just like you and I. He's been there. And yet it says he is a God who cares and is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows exactly what you're going through and he cares about the troubles you're facing. Verse 13. And seeing in the distance... 7-Eleven store, Jesus went in and ordered a double latte and a fig Newtons. There's enough 7-Elevens around, aren't they? No, he didn't do that. But he was interested in food. And the verse says, seen in the distance of fig tree in leaf. Now the fig tree was a very popular food in Israel, still is. So he saw this fig tree in leaf and he went to find out if it had any fruit. 
when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Now we know from history that this incident occurred in the early part of April. Now in Israel, the fig trees start producing early in March from a, it's an early fruit, it's kind of like a little bud. And it looks like a fig, but it really is just a bud. It's edible, and that's what Jesus was looking for. In the next month in April, these beautiful green leaves would form across the whole plant. And as these little buds would fall out in the next months of May and June, then from there would be the real fig, the total fruit. That what Jesus would eat or people eat. But Jesus knew it was early enough for this pre-fruit to be there, this little snack. So when he saw these green leaves, which would come the month after, he assumed, obviously, that the fruit would be there, these little buds or pre-fruit. He went there, even though it wasn't the season for the full fruit, knowing that that would be there. Now, when he got there and he looked at the plant, what does the verse say? He said he saw nice, large, green leaves, but no buds. What did that mean? Well, it meant this, that that year there would be no figs from this tree. In other words, at this time, if there were none of the small buds, it would be like your orange tree at home. In the early spring, it comes out with the wonderful blossoms, and you know, from the blossoms come the fruit. Well, when Jesus came, there were no blossoms, there were no fruit, and he knew that year there would be none. So he does something very strange for Jesus, something we're not used to. We see it in verse 14. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So this is very strange for us. And what we have to see is this. Actually, Jesus will find as we continue on in this passage, the disciples turn to Jesus and say, well, why did you curse this fig tree? Why would you turn to a fig tree and say, you'll never bear fruit again? Why was he so angry at the fig tree? Well, it wasn't because he was so hungry he couldn't stand and he just said to the fig tree, you'll never produce fruit. Ever get that hungry? Hopefully not. But he was, he was not angry because there wasn't fruit. There was another reason. Jesus, and notice it says the disciples heard him say it. He was saying to the disciples, I want you to see this vivid, visual, prophetic picture. This is a tree, but it's really a picture about the nation of Israel. Now listen close. The nation of Israel in the Bible is often pictured as a fig tree. So especially in the New Testament and many times in the Old Testament, when you would see a fig tree, it is a picture of the religious state of the nation of Israel. So we have this fig tree. And this is what Jesus is really saying. He's saying by this little parable, by this little prophetic sign that I'm giving you, disciples, what do you think the leaves with no fruit says about the religious state of Israel? Jesus was saying this to his disciples. You remember from afar off, as Jesus was approaching, we could use this plant this morning as that, as from afar off he could see the nice green leaves. 
So Jesus says to his disciples, as you walk into Jerusalem, and that's where they were going, they were in Bethany about two miles, and they were walking into Jerusalem. Jesus says, as you walk into Jerusalem today, and you look at the state of Israel and their religion, what do you see? Well, nice green leaves. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Mark? Well, here's what they saw. They saw a wonderful temple, gorgeous temple, wonderful religious edifice that was used to worship God. And what week are we in? We're in the Passover week. So from all of these areas, there's smoke going up, animals being sacrificed to God. All these wonderful things. So outwardly, the disciples see Israel with nice green leaves. The religious system, the forms, the sacrifices, the structure, lots of activity. It looked very healthy. But as Jesus got close to the fig tree, on closer examination, he said there was no fruit. And as Jesus gets close to Jerusalem, he looks at the nation of Israel and their religious system and says, there's a lot of form, but there's no fruit. Well, what does he mean by that? Here's what he meant. You remember the nation of Israel was chosen by God thousands of years before. Out of all the nations in the world, God chose one nation, his people, the nation of Israel, so that the Messiah could come through that nation. And also that nation would have the opportunity to say to the world, here is the true God, God Jehovah. All the pagan nations should look to Jerusalem through their form, and they would not only direct people to God, but to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. So this nation of Israel had wonderful privileges and tremendous opportunities that God had given. But what we find in the time of Jesus, which is really very little different than it is today, it had turned into nothing more than a religious system that was outwardly fruitless. There was no life. And actually, as we'll see next week, inwardly was extremely corrupt. The Jewish religion had become spiritually barren. Nothing of substance was happening. They had rejected Jesus. They had really rejected God. The Bible says that often when they would come into the temple, they would worship God. They would offer all these sacrifices. They would do all of these things and outwardly look good. But their heart, the Bible says, was far from God. Maybe like you today. You're here. You're doing your religious thing. But your heart, now that I mentioned 7-Eleven and a latte, man, you're gone. You're already out of the service. Come on back. Come on back. And what happened is this religious system had proven to be totally useless. Now, what would Jesus say to the religious systems of our world today? I've had the privilege in my lifetime of visiting many, many foreign countries, probably over 35 foreign countries, and preached the word in many of those areas. I've seen wonderful religious buildings in Rome and Thailand and Japanese buildings, just wonderful in India, wonderful areas all over the world. What I've seen is lots of buildings. If you go to England today and you see many of the wonderful, wonderful churches where many of our people like Spurgeon and those kind of people that are just were brilliant in those days, wonderful revivals. If you go to those churches today, you find six people in a service like this with a church three times as big, 12 people. There's wonderful leaves, but zero fruit. And in fact, you'll find today that many of the Christian churches in Israel, excuse me, in England, are being taken over 
by the Islams, Islamic churches. So I think what you will see as you look around the world today is dead religion, no fruit, no life. The problem is when we come to the church in America, is it any different? As you pass many churches as you came, and by the way, there are no perfect churches. You know that. We're here. So say hello to ourselves. But is there a church that says there is life? There is Jesus. Is there that kind of church available in our towns? Yes. Praise God. And even in Melbourne this morning, there's many wonderful churches that are proclaiming the news. There's life. There's not just green leaves. But there is many, many churches who are meeting today who have a, as Timothy says to us, a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. Dead religion with nothing of substance coming from those churches. Now, you have to drop down from the church and you talk about this as being a church because really this isn't a church, this is just a building. The church, ecclesia, is the called out ones. The church is made up of individual believers. So you're the church this morning. What does that mean? Turn to the book of John, chapter 15, because I want you to see this morning, since we don't want to talk in a general sense of the church, because that's too broad, we want to bring it down to an individual believer, which is you and which is me. John chapter 15. Over and over again, over the last few years, as we formed this particular body of believers and God has blessed us so much, over and over again, here's what I hear people say. I was raised in, you can fill it in whatever blank, denomination or church or Calvary Chapel, you can do whatever. And here's what they say. For many of those years, I went. Nothing was really happening. There was form. There was sermons. But it really half the time wasn't about the word. They were kind of negative. They were kind of condemning people. There was jealousy. They were always interested in my money. Nobody taught the word of God. Nobody even challenged me to become a disciple. And many times... Here's what I hear people say. It wasn't until I came to this church or uh, First Baptist or whatever that teach the Word of God that I even knew what it meant to be a Christian. How many of you went to church for many years and didn't know what it meant to be a Christian and then found out what it meant to be a Christian? Let me see your hands. Is this incredible or what? You see, and that's what's happening. We have many, many thousands of people today who are in churches and think that they're doing the right thing but they're not because there's no life. They've never been told these things. Well, what does it mean Jesus chose every believer to be fruitful? Every believer to be fruitful. Look at John chapter 15, verse 16. Here's what Jesus said. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So if you're a believer this morning, if you're a born-again Christian, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, then when you became saved, God chose you with a mission already in front of you. You don't have to wonder this morning, well, I wonder what I should be. I wonder what I should be doing with my life. It's already been chosen for you today. And what is that? To be fruitful. Look at verse 8, same chapter. This is to my Father's glory that you bear what? Much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. So if you're a Christian this morning, 
If you're a believer, born again, not a church member, I'm not talking about that. Born again believer, we'll talk more about that later. What is God's goal for your life? To be what? Fruitful. And actually in that passage of John, if you want to study it, you'll see it's fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. There's a progression. It never stops. It's more, more, and more. That's what God's design. By the way, He chose you to be fruitful. Now, what does it mean to be fruitful? I think it's very important in this chapter of John 15, if you've never written it down, you ought to write that right down in your little Bible there so that you remember what it means to be fruitful. The very first thing being fruitful means is this, that you have the character of God. You're exhibiting that character. Where do we find that character? Well, certainly we see it in the person of Jesus as we're going through the Gospels, but you can also see it outlined in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're a believer this morning, when God saves you, He wants to come and look at your life, and He just doesn't want to see that you're nicely dressed, you're here, you have a Bible, you're taking notes, those are all good things, you're doing all those things, you're giving your tithes. He wants to see that, but He wants to see when He lifts up the leaves, He wants to see some fruit. What does that mean? It means the character of God. What is He looking for in your life? He's looking for a person that has joy, peace, love, someone that exhibits long-suffering, as you drive to church and the wife says, I forgot. <laughs> peace. Peace. You say, well, you don't know my husband. Peace. Peace. Now, how can you produce that? Can you produce the fruit? No. God produces it through you. In other words, the longer you live, the more you should be like Jesus Christ. Now, is that a challenge? <laughs> That's a challenge. The second thing is if you're going to have the character of Jesus Christ, you will also have the heart of Jesus Christ. And what is the heart of Jesus Christ? It's for the lost. You'll be winning people to Jesus Christ. Converts that come and become disciples. So when you look at your life, this has already been set out. You don't have to wonder what you should be as a Christian. You should be maintaining and growing and becoming more and more like Christ with that character. And also, there should be a tremendous concern for the lost. Your neighbors, your friends, those people that don't know Jesus Christ. All those people that are religious that don't have a clue what it means to be a Christian. Now, the problem we see with Israel, as Jesus looked at this tree... Here's what happens, and you need to understand that. This is a prophecy. You'll see it more of it, and as we finish the book of Mark, you really see it. And here's what Jesus is going to say. Nation of Israel, I chose you to present the Messiah to the world, to bring people to the Messiah and then to God. You've failed. Israel, you've rejected me as your Messiah. The nation of Israel, the religious system. So here's what God's going to do. He takes Israel and he sets Israel on the shelf. He's done with the nation of Israel until the tribulation period. When the Antichrist comes, the nation of Israel says, the real Messiah. Until three and a half years into that tribulation period, they go, this is not the real Messiah because the abomination of desolation that comes when the Messiah from heaven says, you've been worshiping the wrong Messiah. And Israel will then once again be dealt with and they'll realize that they rejected Jesus Christ. But the nation of Israel as a whole this morning has been put on the shelf. They failed to represent Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus going to do? He looks at the tree and he says to the nation of Israel, you will not bear fruit. So now how does the nation of Israel 
What are they doing today? You see that. Can individual Israelites come to Jesus Christ? You betcha. That's who the disciples were. But as a religious system, they're on the shelf. So what does God do? He Then he comes to a bunch of new guys. And he says to these Jewish guys, Israel failed. I'm going to form a new church. It's called the New Testament church. By the way, that's who we are this morning. And he says, through this New Testament church, it's not just going to have a bunch of form. In fact, initially, there's not too much form at all. But it's going to have power. It's going to have life. And people's lives are going to be changed. That's the New Testament church. If you want to read about it, you read about it in the book of Acts. And you see it all the way through the book of Acts. And that's who we are today. So turn, if you will, to the book of Acts, chapter 8. One individual produced fruit in this New Testament church when the nation of Israel as a religious system as a whole failed. God uses ordinary people to be fruitful. God uses ordinary people to be fruitful. Look at chapter 8, the book of Acts, verse 26. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Let me bring you up to speed who Philip is. As the new church got started in the book of Acts, after the day of Pentecost, Peter preached his wonderful sermon, 3,000 people became saved. Somewhere in there, Philip, who's just a Jewish guy, accepts Jesus Christ. He accepts the Lord. The church is absolutely booming in Jerusalem. It's booming so much, it's growing so fast, They're just meeting every day in small groups. Philip came and all of a sudden in chapter 6, the church is divided. Some people aren't getting fed. This isn't happening here. And the disciples go, oh man, what are we going to do about this thing? And so God said to them, choose out some men and make sure, number one, that they have a good reputation outside the church. Is that important as a Christian? You betcha. See, if you have a lousy reputation outside the church, you don't pay your bills, you beat your wife, you do all the crazy things or whatever, and you come here and, oh, praise God, whatever, you're a hypocrite, and you're causing damage to the kingdom of God. So it says make sure they do that. Number two, that they're wise. And number three, most important, that they're filled with the Spirit of God. So Philip is one of those chosen. And what does Philip do with all these great qualifications? He sets up tables. He's a janitor. He's a table setter. And that's the way he begins his ministry. So that the apostles can go back to study the word and prayer. And it says then the churches continue to boom. I'm glad for all you guys that set up tables. That helps me because I can't be out all the time doing all that. Because I need to be studying the word of God and praying. And so are the elders as we do that. Thanks for your help. That's what happened. So Philip's just an ordinary nobody, a no name, setting up tables. But God's beginning to use him. The next picture we see, all of a sudden he gets to Samaria. And he's in Samaria. This table setter all of a sudden begins to share the good news one-on-one. A revival breaks out. People are coming around him like crazy. All of a sudden, demons are coming out of people. People are getting healed. The town magician gets saved. And all of a sudden, Peter goes, me? A nobody? So what we find there is all of a sudden, in this middle of this great revival, this no-name table setter is being used mightily. Today we heard about God's desire for our lives to be fruitful. When Jesus stopped at the fig tree, he was hungry, but he found no fruit. In order to be fruitful Christians, we learned that we must take on the characteristics of God, the fruits of the Spirit. We should also exhibit a heart for the lost, because the Lord is willing and able to use every Christian 
to spread the gospel message throughout the world. Be bold and obedient. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3149. And the message title is Nice Leaves But No Fruit. Again, the number of today's message is MB3149. And the title is Nice Leaves But No Fruit. And if you'd like, you can just remember today's date. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we progress in our understanding of how to live lives that bear good fruit. Pastor Mark will encourage believers to step out in faith in order to share the good news, to put on the boldness that we receive when we're born again. We will hear about the importance of discernment when sharing the truth and to follow God's lead. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 